Private Nation. Purple and gold family. Stand to your feet. Put your crossbones up and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, welcome to the island, man, it's crazy in here A whole sea of purple and gold waving in here Keep a plank or the shark tank, traders beware Because we got a whole bunch of body sailors in here Welcome into the Sports Objective. We're talking East Carolina Pirate Baseball. The Pirates will welcome Missouri State to Clark LeClaire Stadium this weekend. A three-game series with the Bears. A very proud program with an awful lot of success down through the years. And right now to preview that matchup, very excited to welcome to the show for the first time, Corey Riggs. Corey, we appreciate your time. Oh, I'm thrilled to do it, Bubba. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, appreciate you spending a few minutes with us here on a Thursday evening. As I know you and the Bears have just arrived to Greenville here not, not too long ago, right? Yeah, this is kind of a crazy grind of a road trip for us. Uh, the, the week for the Bears started on Tuesday at home in Springfield at Hammonds Field, and we played – uh, a back-to-back little two-game home-and-home series with Southeast Missouri State University in Cape Girardeau. So we played them at home on Tuesday, and as soon as the game was over, it was an afternoon game, we hopped on the bus, bust down to Cape Girardeau, played the, the Red Hawks again at their place at Kapahaw Field in Cape, and then as soon as that game was over, bust up to St. Louis, crashed for the night, got on a plane this morning, and flew into to Raleigh and uh, made our way to, to Greenville now and play this three-game set with you guys. Then we fly back into St. Louis on Monday, and instead of going home right away, we stick around it on Tuesday. We're going to play the St. Louis University Billikens. So uh, quite a little road trip uh, before we get back home to Springfield. As we were discussing in the green room, uh, you know, a lot of times when we have guests on the show for the first time, um, intrigued to hear how you got into broadcasting and how uh, you began to to do what you do and developed a passion for it uh, so you know, tell us a little about yourself and uh, your association not only uh, with Missouri State but uh, your background in broadcasting well I, I grew up in a, in a little town about an hour away from Springfield called Webb City which has got <clears throat> one of the uh, biggest football programs in the state of Missouri <clears throat> 16 times state champions and uh uh, I've always uh, had a passion for sports, grew, grew up in a family that watched sports 24-7, 365, everything from, from racing to college sports to Kansas City Chiefs, St. Louis Cardinals, Royals, you name it. Uh, but uh, that wasn't what I was going to go to college for. I went to, to SMS, which is what Missouri State was when I went to school there, Southwest Missouri State University, and actually was going to nursing school. Uh, and ended up realizing that that was maybe not the career path that I was destined to be on and uh, made a pivot. One of my best friends told me, I don't know what you're ever doing going to nursing school anyway. You ought to be calling games. And uh, uh, went back to school and got my degree from Missouri State and uh, uh, went to work for a company called Mediacom. I've been with the cable company in Springfield now almost 25 years. Uh, and in that time, I've done a lot of television work, producing, directing, and eventually got my first crack at announcing. And uh, that was that was all it took. And uh, I've been hooked ever since and been very lucky for the last 11 years. I've been one of the primary play-by-play -play voices for the Missouri State High School Activities Association, state championships in football, basketball, and baseball. 
I've been covering sports on Mediacom for over 20 years. And then in the last eight or nine years with the advent of ESPN3 and ESPN+, Plus, I got to start covering Missouri State, my alma mater, and uh, then able to work my way into the, the radio network, started as a studio host doing the pregame and postgame shows and halftime shows for a lot of uh, uh, the Bears uh, sports coverage and got to work with the voice of the Bears, Art Haynes, who's been the team's primary play-by-play guy for 41 years. But uh, he had a horrible incident happen to him uh, late last year. He's been hospitalized now for seven months after contracting West Nile virus uh, and ended up paralyzed. And he's rehabbing now. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Lady Bears, our women's basketball team, played a first-round WNIT game in Lincoln, Nebraska last night, lost to Nebraska to the Cornhuskers, but that's where Art is rehabbing, and they actually got him out of the rehab facility, and he went to his first sporting event since he was in Fayetteville, Arkansas for a college football game week three of the college football season. He's been in a hospital ever since then, but he got out, got a got a hall pass last night, and went out and watched the Lady Bears play, and we're all hoping and praying that he continues his recovery, and he gets back into this seat sooner rather than later. But Bubba, you know how crazy the sports season is. So you've always got to got to have a crossover person and art normally finishes up basketball season. So for the last seven years, I've always traveled with the baseball bears to get the season started in arts place. And then whenever basketball season ended, he would hop in and, and take over and I would just fill in for him for time to time. But this has been a protracted fill-in role this year as I've been filling in for him since about week four of the college football season. Yeah, thoughts and prayers with him. I'm glad to hear he's doing better. You know, Pirate Nation and the East Carolina community can certainly relate there. Um, as I'm sure you know uh, here, yeah. a little over a month ago, the unfortunate passing of Jeff Charles, the voice of the Pirates, uh, who had been in Greenville uh, going back to uh, 1988. Yeah, it's, I, I heard about that, and th- that's the type of thing that, uh, you know, you get so used to those voices. They become a part of the community, uh, voices like his, like arts. They become a part of generations of families that grow up loving a sport and a team, and uh, uh, it's, uh, it's not an enviable task to be the person who tries to fill in or fill those shoes, uh, whether it's short-term or long-term. Uh, but, uh, you know, most people in this business know, know the phrase that the show must go on and you got to keep games going. And that's what we've been doing. And I know Art uh, in Lincoln has been a, uh, an avid listener and uh, is quick to send me a text uh, uh, with notes uh, to tell me if I forgot something and make sure to get it back in the next broadcast. Kind of switching gears a bit, uh, you know, talking some baseball, this Missouri State program. Uh, so much tradition and success. And before we talk about this year's club, um, just you know, tell our viewers and listeners about this program as a whole. Uh, you, you know, you take a look at it. Um, you've been to Omaha back in 2003. You've been to, I think, at least three super regionals and uh, put uh, between 20 and 25 guys in uh, Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's a, it's it's an incredible program. It's a program that Southwest Missouri takes a ton of pride in. In Missouri State baseball, uh, 19 regional berths uh, in the program's history. 43 All-Americans have played baseball at Missouri State. 22 major leaguers. Uh, 
you know, there's just a ton of history here. And the crazy thing is this is a program that's only ever had two head coaches. The first head coach who built the program was a gentleman by the name of Bill Rowe. Bill's an incredible guy, a great friend to so many people in Springfield and Southwest Missouri. He got the program started. Then eventually he was asked to take over the reins as athletic director to take Missouri State into the Division One era and move their athletic programs D1. So he did that. And then he tabbed our current head coach, Keith Gutton, to take over the program. And all Keith has done is be the consistent figurehead of this program for 41 years. He's in the Springfield Area Sports Hall of Fame, the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, and he is the second active winningest coach in all of NCAA Division I baseball. I say only Danny Cox at Georgia Tech right now has more active wins than the head coach of Missouri State, who's one win ahead of John Anderson, the head coach at Minnesota, the Golden Gophers. So uh, the top three guys in Missouri State has one of the winningest coaches in the top three in the country. It's it's a crazy deal. And Coach is, is an amazing person, extremely loyal, and, and all he has done for all these years is just build a bigger and bigger program, uh, g- gets this team into a, a – a incredible facility in Hammonds Field, which is a shared facility between the Bears and the AA affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals, the Springfield Cardinals. So uh, it's uh, it's been a great run, and he's got a great coaching staff around him now uh, with a couple of former amazing players in Joey Hawkins, who's now his associate head coach. Joey uh, got drafted into the St. Louis Cardinals organization, now is back with the Bears. And the most decorated pitcher the program has ever had, Nick Petrie, is in his first year now as being the pitching coach at Missouri State. I believe I may have mentioned in the open this this will be the second matchup um, between the East Carolina Pirates and the Missouri State Bears on the diamond. Uh, the first um, came back in 2018 uh, when you guys were part of the Keith LeClaire Classic. Uh, Missouri State was victorious in that game. Uh, seven to four over the Pirates, and uh, I know. And so you've had at least uh, some experience uh, seeing what Clark LeClaire Stadium in the jungle is about. Oh, it's it's a great environment, and it's a beautiful facility. I I, I joke, and and you can appreciate this, but I don't know how much the 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 listeners and the viewers will, but. You know, when you travel around and you make a living calling ball games or following teams, you see some of the nicest facilities you'll ever see in your entire life, and sometimes you see some that, that aren't as nice. And uh, I was very excited when I looked on the schedule and saw that we were coming back to ECU uh, because of the fan base and because of the incredible facilities that you all offer. Uh, but, yeah, we came out for the Keith LeClaire Classic for about five years ago. And uh, got the win over ECU 7-2, to and that was a very good Missouri State team. And we talk about the Major League Baseball players that cut their teeth at Missouri State that have made it to the show. Well, the guy that was on the mound for that game against the Pirates was a guy named Dylan Coleman. Uh, struck out eight and seven innings in that start, and he's been pitching for the Kansas City Royals up in Kauffman Stadium, so he didn't have to leave Springfield very far, just about two and a half, three hours up the road to Kansas City. And Drew Millis was the catcher that day. Drew went four for four with a couple of RBIs. And Drew is in the Washington Nationals organization right now, one of their catchers, and been able to catch him on some spring great spring training TV games with the big club here in the preseason. It's been pretty exciting to watch both of those guys uh, maturation and, and try to live out their dreams of being Major League Baseball players. 
obviously, um, these two programs, an awful lot of success. Um, you take a look at East Carolina with Cliff Godwin. Um, obviously, um, prior to his arrival, this program had accomplished so much, and he's taken it to another level where it's uh, been in Super Regionals year in, year out over the last few years and um, always playing a challenging non-conference schedule, and that's certainly the case this weekend. I know you guys are off to an 11-5 and five start, winners of four straight, those midweek wins over Southeast Missouri State that you mentioned. And um, you also um, face – you had uh, number 12 Oklahoma State come to you, and uh, that, that was a 12-10 to 10, uh, shootout, a uh, game that you fell just shy of. Yeah, and that was a game the Bears should have won. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State, just like ECU, has got an incredible nationally recognized program. Uh, but we've got a lot of history uh, between the Bears and Oklahoma State. That was the regional we were in last year out in Stillwater and uh, got up on Oklahoma State and ended up letting that one slip away, kind of like uh, this game ended up happening at Hammonds Field. But uh, that game in the Stillwater Regional, that was the highest scoring game in NCAA uh, postseason history for the sport of baseball. The Bears got up 12, 15 runs in that one, and Oklahoma State ended up storming back. So uh, Oklahoma State, Missouri State has turned into a very good regional rivalry, uh, just like the fact that Missouri State has the luxury of getting to play a top-tier program like the Arkansas Razorbacks every year and uh, the University of Missouri just up the road in Columbia. So the Bears try to schedule as tough a, a run as they can in the non-conference to get ready for the Missouri Valley Conference. And it's a Missouri Valley Conference that's very different. Uh, the league overall this last year added in three new teams. You add in teams like the University of Illinois, Chicago, Belmont, and Murray State. So it changes the dynamics in the league. It changes scheduling in the league. And out goes a powerhouse like Dallas Baptist University, which had kind of had a short run in the Missouri Valley Conference. But Missouri State and DBU had a lot of good series against one another, two powerful programs. Before we take a look at this roster and talk about some of the, the key pieces that Pirate fans will see this weekend, tell us about your legendary coach. Uh, you know, he's between his time as a player and assistant coach and now head coach, he's been a part of Missouri State baseball for 45 years, I think 75% yep. of the program's history. Yep, 41 years as the head coach, uh, seven-time Missouri Valley Conference Coach of the Year. Uh, and just, I mean, it's the, the amazing consistency of Keith Gutton over these four-plus decades is, is just you don't find it very many places. You remember I rattled off those names uh, at Georgia Tech and at Minnesota. And, and one of the reasons why those names are all intertwined is because it's something that you don't, you don't see much anymore, which is someone dedicating their life, dedicating their career to one program. I mean, coach would never say it, but you know, you've got to think there have been people that have come calling over the years that might've been able to offer more salary, might've been able to offer different facilities, different tools for recruiting. And he has stayed true and maroon and white for, for all these four decades. And he's just an absolute joy to work with 1,351 career wins now, and it's still going up. And, uh, it's just, uh, I got to be honest with you, but when I started seven years ago, you know, part of our broadcast, you know, the second segment of every uh, broadcast is a chat with the coach, go down to the field, record an interview. And 
you know, seven years ago, I'd still been in this business at that point in time, 13, 14, 15 years. Uh, I was intimidated to go down onto the diamond and talk to Keith Gutton beforehand because just he's the winningest coach that the school's ever had, that the program's ever had. Uh, one of the two winningest coaches in the Missouri Valley Conference uh, uh, since Wichita State left for greener pastures, but or different pastures. I don't know that they'd tell you it's very much greener where they've been, but uh, the American Athletic Conference, I mean, you know how tough your conference is and what you guys have to go through each and every year. I'm sure Coach Godwin could speak to that. But, uh, no, it's uh, it's one of the things I take the most pride in is representing Coach Gutton and representing this baseball team the way he has represented this program and the school uh, for the better part of, of well, almost 50 years now. Tell us about this lineup. I see you're hitting 285 as a team, um, but one of the things that jumped out to me as I was looking over the numbers, um, team slugging percentage of 527, and there, there are 30 home runs spread amongst nine different guys uh, that have hit two or more, and um, they're led uh, with Spencer Nevins uh, with seven bombs. Yep, Spencer uh, has had home runs in the last couple of games. He provided the uh, – exclamation point for a walk-off win in the last series against SIUE first pitch. He was the leadoff batter in the bottom of the 10th inning and put one on top of the Bill Rowe indoor training facility there at Hammonds Field. Hit another home run uh, against SEMO. And uh, yeah, there's really not a weak spot in the batting order that can't produce uh, a big timely hit. I think the craziest thing about this lineup uh, and the thing that I find the most impressive is when you look up and down at how many freshmen are contributing right now. The corner outfielders for Missouri State couldn't be more different. You've got Tag Gollard in left field, and you've got Zach Stewart in right field. Tag Gollard is from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and he got recruited to Missouri State. Even though he didn't get to play a lot of travel ball and a lot of high school ball late in his career because of COVID, but Missouri State's associate head coach and one of their all-time best players, Joey Hawkins, was from that area as well. So Joey recruits him, gets him to come to Springfield. He's one of the nation's leaders in doubles uh, and has been since the opening week of the season when Missouri State dropped two of three on the road in San Luis Obispo, California against Cal Poly. Uh, but Tag is uh, just a relentless hitter who will work the pitch count as deep as he can and either wait till you make a mistake or give him the opportunity to find a ball to drive. And it's it's a, it seems like it's an extra base hit every other time he swings the bat. Then on the opposite side of the outfield, the other quarter outfielder in right field is Zach Stewart. Stewart's a true freshman just like Gollert, but instead of being an international player, he grew up just about 45 miles up I-44 from Springfield in a town called Lebanon, Missouri. Uh, his dad played for Keith Gutton for a year, uh, and Zach absolutely destroys the baseball when he hits it. He generates some of the most incredible bat head speed of anybody on the roster. I just recently saw a report that had the top 15 exit velocities, not to get too metrically uh, deep in the weeds here, but of the top 15 exit velocities that Missouri State hitters have hit this season, the freshman, Zach Stewart, has nine of the 15. Uh, I think his most recent was 110.3 miles per hour. So uh, when he gets the bat around from the left side, he can absolutely smoke a baseball. Um, 
So the freshman outfielders uh, have been really impressive this year. The top two in the batting order are both sophomores, both lefties, and Nick Rodriguez and Spencer Nivens. Nivens is a Columbia, Missouri kid. His dad, Matt, played for Mizzou, but elected to come down to Springfield, and that's a pretty good interstate rivalry and a father-son rivalry now. Nick Rodriguez, who bats leadoff, is a transfer from Charleston Southern. The two of them were both freshman All-American selections last year. So we have two previous season's freshman All-Americans batting in the top two spots of the batting order. Uh, 23 new players on this team this season meant a, kind of a big overhaul on, on the roster, and there are new names up and down the lineup. Cody Kelly started his career at Minnesota, which means Cody Kelly has played for two of the three winningest active coaches in all of college baseball. He's the Bears' new catcher. He's got a lot of pop in his bat. Uh, Dylan Robertson was a was a JUCO guy who's now at third. And uh, then you've got some veteran guys like Mason Greer, uh, the Bears' switch hitting first baseman. His dad was Rusty Greer, had a nine-year career, is in the Texas Rangers Hall of Fame. Uh, so there's just a lot of really good baseball players, but I am surprised at how quickly the true freshmen on this roster have turned into immediate contributors uh, to Missouri State's early season success. Let's take a look at the uh, pitching uh, matchups for this weekend on East Carolina side. Uh, you, you have Trey Savage in the Friday night role, and then you have Carter Spivey and Josh Gross. Um, that trio has been very good. Uh, Spivey had a rough start on opening weekend uh, where um, you, know, you had some weather throw a kink into things, and then uh, he didn't pitch his best, but he's been very good since. And uh, you know, tell us uh, what Missouri State presents as far as their, their weekend three. Well, it's uh, it has been the same for, for most of the season. I am not sure how they're going to play it out this weekend. I know this much. Uh, I know that Brant Thompson will be the Friday night guy. He was the Saturday night guy the first week or two. Uh, and he's a righty out of Minnesota. And he has definitely, hands down, been the most consistent starter that Missouri State uh, has had. Uh, he and Trey Ziegenbein, our grad student, uh, reliever, setup man, closer, combined for 19 strikeouts in a game against SIUE to tie a school record. Brant Thompson had 12 of those strikeouts. Uh, he ended up, I think, retiring 16 in a row that game. Uh, and he's got very good stuff. He's been very consistent. He's one of three players that the coaching staff went after that were up at North Iowa Area Community College, uh, and he was definitely the, that program's best pitcher and has been just a model of consistency uh, since coming to Missouri State. Meanwhile, Hayden Minton has been our Sunday starter. I think that's probably who the Pirates will see on Saturday. Minton is kind of a crazy story. He started his first two seasons in Springfield at Missouri State, but just never never found the right formula. Never, It never really clicked for him, and he kind of battled for two years. And you don't see this much in college baseball. So he goes, after two years of Division I baseball, he goes down to JUCO and then came back to the same program that he left. And I think that says a lot about the relationship that Hayden and our, our pitching coach, Nick Petrie, have. And they brought him back, and he's a good four or five pitch guy. 
uh, fastball that'll get up over 90 miles per hour. He'll work in a really good slider uh, and a changeup. And Minton, uh, I asked the coaching staff, I what I, like what did Hayden need to go find uh, in dropping down to JUCO for a year and coming back to the Bears? And they said he needed to find some consistency and he needed to do a little growing up. He needed to find a little maturity. And the coaches have both told me that he's found that. And I think it's I think it's played out in in his starts this year. He had a he had a ten strikeout game against the Cougars of SIUE Edwardsville. Uh, retired sixteen straight on March twelfth in that game. That's the longest streak by a Missouri State pitcher since about two thousand nineteen when Dylan Coleman was still on the Bears roster. And that's the guy we talked about earlier uh, who played against ECU the last time the Bears were in Greenville. So those two will probably go Friday Saturday. The, the big story, as far as the pitching staff goes, was surrounding Jake Eddington. Jake Eddington was ranked in the top 50 of the top transfers uh, by D1 Baseball this year. He's a righty, uh, originally from uh, a Missouri town, Donovan, Missouri, but he signed with Alabama out of school, uh, pitched to the SEC, was a reliever his freshman year, then had to have Tommy John, uh, been recovering from that. So this year... In his first couple of starts, there have been high points and low points for Jake. But the big thing is, and, and what the coaching staff has reminded me, hey, Corey, he's really only in his second year of college baseball, and he didn't start his first year. So he's kind of learning how to come out and be a starter, be a tone setter for the rest of the night, for the rest of the nine innings. Uh, but right now, Eddington might be pitching Sunday. We're not entirely sure. He had had some back issues uh, that has kind of slowed him down, and that may or may not play into whether or not it's him or could be maybe a, a Tyler Charter, who's been kind of our midweek guy so far this year. Bad backs have, have sidelined a couple of bears in the last week. Jake Eddington being one who is, uh, anytime he's on the mound, there's usually a half dozen to a dozen scouts with radar guns trying to, to chart him and check him out. The other thing is Missouri State had two Missouri Valley Conference preseason picks in their starting lineup. One is our center fielder, Spencer Nivens, who leads the team in home runs. The other is our second baseman, Mason Hall. And Mason Hall not only was a preseason pick in the Valley, he was a third-team All-American preseason pick, and he's been sidelined. He's missed the last five games now with some lower back issues. And we've had a freshman, Jake McCutcheon, end up taking those starts at second. And that young man has has really played well. Uh, he is a plus bat. That is definitely his best tool. But he hasn't really made any mistakes at second base. I think he's committed one error in five games. He's helped to turn three or four double plays on the Missouri State infield. So he's done a really good job filling in for Mason. I am told the hope is that Hull will return to the lineup against the nationally ranked Pirates this weekend. Taking a look at the bullpen, um, you have a couple guys who have seen 10 appearances already. Uh, so tell us about the most reliable arms um, that we can expect to see from Missouri State there. Well, the two guys you're talking about are Scott Youngbrandt and Trey Ziegenbein. Ziegenbein has been a stalwart for Missouri State ever since he came to Springfield. He is long, he's lean, he's six foot three, and he is a straight slider guy. The slider is his pitch, probably 80% 
uh, of what you'll see from Trey will be sliders. He'll mix in a cutter and a changeup, but a good hard slider that can go from one batter's box to the other is what Ziegenbein brings to the mound. Uh, two years ago in 2021, he was an all-Missouri Valley Conference selection at pitcher. Last year, his numbers weren't as good, but this year, Trey looks to be back to the form that he was in in 2021, and he will probably make a run at the all-time appearances record in Missouri State history between the COVID year, being a grad senior, and the fact that his nickname is Everyday Trey. I mean, he's just the most reliable arm they have. He can do anything. He can come in and close out the game. He can be your setup guy or if the starter gets into trouble, he can come in in long relief. So Trey Zigemine, number 40, is a guy you'll probably see uh, at least two of the days this weekend. Another guy you'll probably see at least twice is Scott Youngbrandt. And Youngbrandt is a transfer, a grad transfer. He spent four years of playing college baseball up I-44 in St. Louis, Missouri, for the St. Louis University Billikens. He's durable. He's versatile. Uh, like Ziegenbein is, and the fact that he can come in, take over for a starter. The crazy thing about Scott is they've used him so many different ways. If you look at his stat line, he's like two and two on the season and has two saves. So the, those numbers are kind of uh, unique for a guy that's only come out of the bullpen. He hasn't started a game, but he's figured at, he's figured in the win or the loss four times with two saves. But uh, young Brandt is uh, primarily a cutter guy. He'll use that a lot, mix in a change up. That cutter will peak 86, 88 miles per hour, but it has good movement both vertically and horizontally. Uh, and he's the type of guy, I tell you how special Scott Youngbrand is. He's a one-year player. He's a grad transfer from another program in state. And this is a kid, Coach Gutton told me he thinks this is the first time this has ever happened. The team voted for three camp captains this season. One of them was Mason Hull, this, the, the preseason All-Missouri Valley Conference All-American third-teamer at second base who's been out hurt, Trey Ziegenbein, and Scott Youngbrand. And so that says a lot to what kind of leadership abilities and what sort of clubhouse guy Scott is as he's made that sort of impact on his new team just a, you know, a month and a half into the season. And Trey Ziegenbein's uh, control um, definitely jumps out in 20 innings. Um, he has struck out 26 batters as opposed to just four walks. Yeah, no, Trey has done a really good job improving on those numbers from a year ago. Uh, there were some control issues at time. I also think last year that there was some overuse. I mean, at times, uh, the pitching staff for Missouri State struggled at times last year, and and he really made a difference. But, I mean, heck, Trey's thrown now in five of the last eight games and uh, has thrown 10.2 shutout innings and struck out 16. Uh, he's just, right now, he's one of the best in the Missouri Valley Conference, and you'll probably see him a couple of times here in Greenville this weekend. Lastly, tell us about the ball club defensively. Uh, defensively, uh, if, uh, if you're a fan of the fact uh, that Major League Baseball has banned the shift, you won't like the Bears. Uh, the infield shifts constantly. Uh, they will definitely play percentages against opposing hitters. So if you've got good contact hitters that can uh, pick a line and stay with it, then you're going to have chances to take advantage of that. Uh, but Missouri State utilizes the shift quite a bit. Uh, the infield, 
because of the in and out in the lineup right now, Mason Hull had kind of been that anchor in the middle of the infield. You've got a new third baseman in Dylan Robertson, a new shortstop in Nick Rodriguez, but the right side of the infield with the Masons, Mason Greer and Mason Hull had been intact, but then he's missed the last five or so games. So they've still been turning double plays at a pretty, pretty good rip. I think second in the Missouri Valley Conference in that metric. Uh, so uh, with the uh, the true freshman in there, Jake McCutcheon, they've been all right, but hopefully getting Mason back in there will settle things down uh, over this three-game series. The outfielders, uh, Gallert and Stewart on the, the outside and Spencer Nivens on the inside can cover a ton of real estate. Spencer Nivens, you look at those home run numbers and those slugging numbers, Bubba, and I'm sure you probably think that must be a pretty big guy, but he is a center fielder with speed, uh, and will lay out and put the Superman cape on and try to steal one from you. And that was why he was brought to Missouri State. The power numbers he's been putting up is is just a testament to the work that the hitting coach and the associate head coach, Joey Hawkins and Spencer, have put in in the last two years because he, uh, he can flat get the bat around and through the strike zone now. And if you leave one out and over the plate, he's going to put it in the stands. And uh, I don't think anybody in the jungle wants to see a Spencer Nevins home run up close this weekend. Yeah, certainly not. <laughs> but uh, appreciate the time. You've been very generous. And you know, before we wrap things up, tell our viewers and listeners who sometimes like to hear the opposing call, um, you know, for an inning or two, how they can uh, hear your broadcast and then also how they can follow you on social media. Oh, sure. No, uh, say uh, the uh, Missouri State, like so many schools across the country, is a Learfield school. So if you're not familiar with the Varsity Network app, the best thing you can do to follow along with us is download the Varsity Network app to your phone. It's free. Uh, and you can go through and search by school and find whatever you want. You just type in Missouri State. And whether you mark that as a favorite or you just pick that day's game, uh, you can listen to the action on your phone, on your iPad, your laptop, whatever, uh, on the Varsity Network app powered by Learfield. Of course, if you, uh, I don't do a ton of social media. Most of mine is on Twitter. And uh, as much radio as I'm doing now, Bubba, I probably need to change it because it's at Corey Riggs TV. But I spend a lot more time on uh, on the other medium than I do the one that's in my Twitter name. But at C-O-R-E-Y-R-I-G-G-S-T-V to follow along with Twitter. Uh, Missouri State Bears Twitter is a good follow as well. Again, appreciate the time. It should be an excellent weekend of baseball between East Carolina and Missouri State at Clark LeClaire Stadium. Uh, hopefully the weather will be, um, be good. So we'll have some excellent crowds out in 6 p.m., 4 p.m., and 1 p.m. first pitches over the next three days. ESPN Plus if you're unable to attend or 94.3 the game. But uh, again, appreciate the time and appreciate everyone tuning in. Be sure to follow us on social media, on Twitter at the Sports OBJ, on Instagram and TikTok at the Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, for Corey Riggs, I'm Bubba Rosenbaum. You've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective. Take care, everyone, and as always, go Pirates. Everybody gonna see it's go 
one and it'll scream loud, but he don't hold back. Every foot, every yard, every first down, every touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going like a hurricane, y'all.